The world is full of stories involving cursed objects. Well, recently, I came to possess what could possibly be a blessed object. And then we meet a young woman who lives every day of her life in fear. Her stepmother embodies all of the worst stereotypes of the fairy tale evil stepmother. She's brutal, she's insane, and she wields dark magic. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun. Just so, just so, just for full disclosure, I'm recording this episode just minutes after I recorded uh, yesterday's episode. And so, if you didn't listen to yesterday's episode, there was a ghost in the recording studio, there was a ghost in the haunted closet. And the only reason I'm telling you that is because I'm still a little jumpy. I went for a little walk, and but I'm still a little jumpy. So if this episode just abruptly ends, uh, that's why. Because I wet my pants and I ran away. But someone who never runs away from a fight. Walking in right now is a self-proclaimed dead rabbit grandmother monster. Give it up for Bonnie. Yeah, Bonnie, come on in. Woo, yeah, come on in. Give her high fives. Bonnie, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the show financially, I totally understand. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That really, really helps out a lot. And speaking of that, Bonnie's coming in with two of her buddies, Mark and Echo. They actually were recommending the show to her. So thank you so much. Getting the word out really, really does help. So Bonnie is the captain this episode. But Mark and Echo, you can both be second in command. You can fight over who's wearing the cute little second in command outfit. It's a Donald Duck outfit. Bonnie, we're going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. We're leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed all the way out to my place. I guess we're just circling the Dirigible around Dead Rabbit Radio. I know it's not the most spectacular journey, but, but I wanted to talk about this. So I want to be honest with you guys. There's a lot of stuff that I do and I've done that I don't talk about on this podcast. And it's actually related to the podcast. I still am pretty active in paranormal investigations, on-the-ground paranormal investigations, not as much as I would like to be. And then there are other stories that have happened to me in the past. They're either just too bizarre to talk about, or I don't really know how to classify them. (sighs) So there's a lot of stuff that I've done and continue to do that I don't talk about on the show, because I just don't really even know how how, how to... broach it. And so this is something that I've had in my possession for a couple weeks, and I wanted to talk to you guys about it, but there's not a lot of information I can reveal about it. So it's kind of puts me in a, in a tight spot, but it's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. I have come into possession of what I can only describe as a blessed object. It's a wood carving. It's a single block of wood. I'll take a photo of it. We'll use it for the image for this episode. It's a single block of wood. That someone carved in the image of the Pioneer Church. That's a very famous, very old church in Portland, Oregon. Let me go grab it. Let me. I didn't want to. I didn't want to bring it into the closet because this thing's crazy. Let me go get it real quick because I got to get you some more information on it. It is. Let me sit down. I need to leave the door open for a little light. 
It is a wood carving of the Pioneer Church that was established in 1851 in Portland. It's really called the St. John's Episcopal Church. And this piece of art was made by Kent R. Smith in October of 1987. And due to ongoing investigations and due to people not wanting me to reveal a lot about this piece, I can't tell you where I got it. I can't tell you how I got it. And I can't even tell you about the miracle I witnessed with my own eyes in the vicinity of this. But this truly does seem like you're gonna have to take, <laughs> have to take my word for it. And hopefully I've earned I've earned that trust from you. This is a blessed object. I watched this perform a miracle. And I don't know specifically what I what I am going to do with it. I am bringing it to the McMinimins UFO Festival, May 14th. I will be there at a vendor booth. Dead Rabbit Radio will have a vendor booth. And we're going to have this object as well as some of the haunted objects I've collected over the years. The Veronica the Haunted Doll will be there. And then I have some paintings that whether or not those are haunted or those claims are dubious. I've never been able to investigate those myself. But I'm bringing them, right? And you'll be able to touch these items. You're like, Jason, I don't want to touch your haunted doll. Uh, maybe I'll touch your painting, though. But you'll be able to touch this. And I don't really know how to classify this. I watched this work a miracle. That's one of the things. When you do on-the-ground paranormal investigations, and even not on-the-ground paranormal investigations, again, being as honest as I can be with you guys, I've covered stories and have been contacted by high-ranking people. This story was a UFO story, and I was contacted by a highly established expert in the UFO community to reveal more information about that story. And I actually turned that down. I actually turned that down. And again, I'm not going to reveal who it was, but um, the reason why I turned it down was because they wanted to give me more information and they said, but this information is just for you. You can't share it with anybody. And I responded back to them. I said, I appreciate the offer, but the research I do now is to share with other people. So I won't tell anyone who you are. Like, I won't say your specific name that you contacted me. But um, that's the type of researcher I am now. Now, I used to be a researcher where I would just find the information to find the information. And I've met... Some very, very, a diverse group of people I have contacted over the years. Remember, I'm doing this podcast. This podcast has been around for four years. I really love it. I've been doing paranormal conspiracy research for 30 years. I'm 45. It's been more than that. I mean, when I was 12, I was just reading books. That's all you had back then. But in my 20s, I was doing interviews. I'm a journalist. That was where I get, that was my... That was my area of study in college was my journalism, right? So I would I would do interviews with people. And that knowledge they were giving me, again, not to tell anyone, but I was on a journey for knowledge. But I've been contacted by people in the UFO field, this one in particular, and he wanted to give me some additional information, but I couldn't tell anyone. And, and I, it, it, as interesting as that was, 
right? As that offer was, I said, that's not the research I do right now. I do research to share with people. But you do run into that when you are a paranormal researcher. And I know a lot of you guys just listen to the show for entertainment. I know some of you want to be UFO paranormal researchers. And I'll tell you this. Keep your mouth shut. When you talk to people and they say this is off the record, no matter how juicy it is, you do not share it. That is just a rule that you should have going into it. So when I was giving this piece and I saw its effects and all of that stuff, I cannot and will not reveal that information. I also got to say this too. One morning I woke up and I got an e. This is awesome. I'll tell you this guy's name. I got an email. I woke up one morning to an email from Lucas Haney. Lucas Haney. Hopefully I'm pronouncing your name right. Hopefully I pronounced everyone's name right. Lucas Haney uh, was the director of the movie Mope. And I did a whole segment on that. I did a Dead Rabbit Recommends on that movie. And then I did a whole segment on it. And he emailed me. And that was really dope. A friend of his listens to the podcast and passed it on to him. So I get cool. I get really cool emails as well. That was awesome. I, when I looked at that email when I woke up, I go, I know this name from somewhere. I'm familiar with this name. And I still recommend Mope. It's such a fantastic film. But it's the but, So that I can reveal stuff like that. But there are stories that I can't talk about. And this is one of them. This object is blessed. I don't know how it works. I don't know when it works. I haven't I haven't been able to replicate anything. I will say this. I don't blame it for the ghost whatever I saw yesterday in my closet. But things do seem to be weirder now that this is in my possession. I'm, I'm holding it right now. So, yeah, very, very odd piece. It will be... This isn't an advertisement. This isn't just an advertisement for the UFO Fest, but it will be there. It's a fascinating piece of work of just artistry. You'll see it in the in the photo. And then, yes, it... it um, I've seen more evidence that this is a blessed object than I have seen uh, my other objects being haunted, including Veronica the doll. I bought it on eBay as a haunted doll. No knock against you, Veronica, at all. But I haven't... None of the paranormal phenomenon that was supposed to be associated, associated with Veronica has popped up. But this is blessed in some way. I don't know how to access it. I don't know how it works or why it works. And I, I think these objects are far more rare. I think these... I mean, you have people making fake haunted dolls and you have people making fake blessed stuff. You know, buy this stone, it'll give you good luck, but... In the natural world, where this stuff actually may exist, I think blessed objects are quite rare. But yeah, I wanted to share that with you. If I'm able to document anything, now that it's in my possession, now anything that I see or anything that is experienced with, I can pass on to you. Fascinating relic. Could just be a block of wood. But again, I saw what could only only be described as a miracle. That was performed when somebody held this. But again, I don't know how to access it. I mean, wouldn't it be amazing if this could, you know, heal people or. But how do you get it to work? Anyways, so that is here now. I'm, I'm going to take it out. I'm taking it back out of the closet. This closet is some sort of vortex. It's, it really is. Hold on.
I'm putting it back out in the living room, actually. I hope that story wasn't too anticlimactic for you. I don't even know if you classified it as a story. It was like, I can't tell you this, but I have it. But we'll see what happens. Again, a blessed object. I really do believe they're quite rare. Bonnie, go ahead, and we're going to jump out of the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. It was just tethered. It was tethered to Dead Rabbit Command. We weren't taking it anywhere. Mark and Echo are still fighting over the Donald Duck outfit. And I'm going to toss you the keys to the Carboner Copter. We're leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command, and we're headed all the way out to an old house. I found this fascinating story posted online the other day, and it... To do a little bit of setup, the person who's telling the story is a grandchild. It's this grandchild who has a mom and has a grandma. And, and he says, my grandma is one of the nicest women you could ever meet. Like, she's this tiny little, like, four foot nine little old grandma that kind of dotes on you. She's just the type of woman anyone would want for their grandma. <laughs> you're looking at your grandma right now, you're like, oh, you're five, six, loser. I want a four foot nine grandma. Get out of here. But, you know, just personality-wise, I'm talking about physically, right? You're like, oh, I wish I had a tiny grandma. I put her in my backpack like Baby Yoda. And he goes, my grandma was always super nice and just very caring. And my mom said the reason why grandma is so nice is she was raised by a literal evil stepmother. And so this guy is writing this story. He posted it online, but he's telling it from the point of view of his grandmother. And so we don't have a location. This is all anonymous, right? But we're going to call the grandmother Sarah. And we're going to call the stepmother Margaret. And we're going back in time here. We don't have a time period, don't have a location. But Sarah is a young girl. And she's being raised pretty much at this point by her stepmother. Sarah's mom passed away, and Sarah's dad, his work required him to travel for weeks at a time. So in this household, it was often just the stepmother and Sarah. This house seems to be in a relatively secluded location. It's surrounded by a forest, and there's a river about five miles away. That's the second closest water source. It's five miles away, this river. The nearest water source is a well. It's a well in the backyard of the house. But Sarah wasn't allowed to get water out of the well. The stepmom was so just cruel, she wouldn't let Sarah use the well. She would tell Sarah that she'd have to walk down to the river, and she would tell Sarah, you can't drink any water. <laughs> delicious, delicious water. You can't drink any of it. And you can't spill a drop. And I'll know if you spill a drop. Even just a drop. I will know, Sarah, because the head will tell me. The stepmother often used this as a ploy to get Sarah to cower in fear and to do whatever she wanted. The stepmother said that she had a severed head that she spoke to, and the severed head knew everything and saw everything. And with the knowledge the severed head gave the stepmother, she would dish out cruel punishments to Sarah. Now, if Sarah disobeyed, she got beat by the stepmother. If Sarah was bringing the water back and she took a drink or she spilled some, she got beat by the stepmother because the head told her that she had spilled some water. But Sarah quickly learned it didn't matter what she did. Even if she didn't spill a drop of water, even if she did everything this cruel woman said, she'd still get beat. 
Because <laughs> she's a cruel stepmom, right? She's just a sadistic freak. So it didn't matter what she did, right? But Sarah was also constantly on edge because for a child to never lie, for a child to never disobey, for a child to do everything right but make a mistake, right? Lying and disobeying you do on purpose, but just making a mistake. And the head told me you did that. Sarah would have to wonder, how did my stepmother know? So Sarah starts to buy into this idea that there's a severed head somewhere the stepmom is talking to. But as Sarah gets older, she starts to not believe the story, right? It sounds like poppycock. It sounds like something out of a fairy tale. As Sarah gets older, not only does she stop believing in the head so much, but she also starts to become more assertive. Again, that's something that kids do. They're going to rebel against the authority figures. But the beatings never stopped. It wasn't that she got more assertive and the stepmother got scared. The beatings still continued, but Sarah began sticking up for herself a little more. And the stepmother was taking notice of this. One day the stepmother says, Do you want to know how I got the severed head? I was married before your father. And one day these bandits came to our house. My husband was sleeping. So they took him out first. And they had a razor. And they slit his throat while he was laying next to me. I wake up. And there they are, these bandits, trying to get our riches and take care of any problem that could present itself. So they killed him, and now they're going to kill me. And they came at me with razors. And the stepmother showed Sarah her arms. The stepmother's arms had long scars in her flesh. She says, the bandits came to me and they sliced my arms open and they sliced at my legs. But I got away. I ran out into the night and got away. The authorities never caught the bandits. Because in truth, there were no bandits. One night, I took a razor to my own husband's neck and slid it open while he slept, spilling warm blood all over our shared bed. And then I took that same razor and sliced deep cuts into my arms, into my legs, and you can see those cuts, can't you, Sarah? You can see what I'm willing to do to get what I want. I slit his throat. I told people that the bandits had attacked us and they believed me. And then when I was in the clear, I dug up my husband's body and took off his head. And that is the severed head I talked to. That is the severed head that knows everything because it's watching you. And if you're not careful, I'll do the same thing to your father. I'll slit his throat while he sleeps and cut off his head and use it as another dark instrument. In fact, maybe I'll take your head off too. Sarah ran out of the house, tears streaming down her face as her stepmother's laughter echoed throughout the house. 
And Sarah took off and ran across the field and ran into the forest. And she ran and she ran until she collapsed and laid there crying herself in panic, in fear, in hopelessness. She had no escape from this woman. And now she knew how truly evil her stepmother was. Sarah laid against the tree in that forest and cried and cried and cried until she cried herself asleep. Sarah woke up hours later. Forest was dark. She had no idea what time it was, but she knew she was going to get beat up. She knew she was going to get beat up for staying out too late. And she comes up with this plan. She goes, maybe I can sneak into the house. Maybe I can get up into my room. Stepmother will never even know that I was missing for a couple hours. Unless... She talks to the head. Sarah began to creep back through the forest, and she's kind of making a big circle around. So now she's coming up to the back of the house, and she's moving through the, the moonlit branches, walking towards her house. And if her plan does not go off well, she's walking towards a beating. And as she approaches the back of the house, she sees... Someone standing next to the well. The silhouette is obviously her stepmother. She's standing back of the well, but Sarah can't figure out why she would be there. Was she looking for her? Did the head tell her that she was going to be coming through the back of the forest? Trying to sneak in. But as Sarah began to move slower and quieter through the tree line, she hears her stepmother talking. And then she hears... Another voice answer. She ducks down. She's in the bushes now. And she's watching the silhouette of her stepmother at the well. Talking. And then a very deep, very slow speaking male voice is answering. And Sarah goes, I don't really understand what... My stepmom was asking. She, the questions didn't make any sense. She was asking these questions that seemed just so bizarre. And then she would hear this deep male voice respond. She has to be talking to the head. And that head knows I'm here. I'm so close. I can hear them. And while my stepmom couldn't see me, I'm hidden. The head knows everything. Sarah's terrified. She's waiting at any moment for the stepmom to turn around, for her eyes to search through the darkness of the forest looking for Sarah. But nothing happens. Sarah just continues to hide and listens in on this conversation. But curiosity starts to get the best of Sarah. She's hearing this other voice. I need to see the head. I need to see it. I need to know. I need to know this thing has held my life in torment for so long. I have to see what's going on. 
So Sarah gets down on her belly, begins crawling across the dirt, trying to remain unseen, but trying to get closer, trying to catch a glimpse. Someone is watching. Sarah freezes. As the stepmother ducks down behind the well, a few moments pass. Sarah is perfectly still. She sees her stepmother's head kind of pop up from behind the well and kind of scan the area, looking for someone. The stepmother doesn't see anybody. And she hurries off into the house. Sarah's laying perfectly still. Her fear now is that the stepmother in the house has a better vantage point of the field. She can be hidden in any of those windows on this estate, looking out, watching for a movement. Sarah's petrified. But then Sarah has another thought. I think she left the head behind. Sarah waits there in the darkness, too scared to move, but she has to know. She begins crawling out of the forest. She's crawling across the field, and she's inching ever so closer to this well, afraid that her stepmother will spy her at any moment and come running out. But no one leaves that house. And Sarah is able to crawl all the way to the well, and she sees a pile there pile of dead grass, pile of dead leaves. She reaches her hand into this pile, and she finds a handle. She slowly opens it. There's a secret compartment right next to this well. It's about two feet deep, and inside of it is a wooden box. It has to be the head. Sarah thinks. Has to be the head. And even though she wanted to get a glimpse of it when she was in the trees, now that she's next to it, now that it's in her possession, she does not want to open the box. But she does look at the box, lift it up. It's heavy. Heavier than she would have thought it was. She lifts the box up and she goes, Hello? There's no response. Sarah knows that she needs to get rid of this. Whatever's in this box, probably had, right? It's probably had. But she's still in a quandary. She's in an exposed field. And she's carrying a black magic relic. She's still just a kid. If that stepmom comes running out of that house, Sarah's going to get beat down. And if the mom comes out with a weapon, Sarah will become a head in a box. Buried next to a well. A soulless form trapped by sorcery. A slave to an evil woman's demented wishes. Sarah grabs this box and she starts crawling again. She's dragging it across the soil. Dragging it back into the forest. And once she is hidden by the dark shadows 
of the trees, she begins to run through the forest, carrying this box with her. And she stuffs it into a hollow of a tree. And there it'll have to wait. She has to get back home. Sarah goes home, and her stepmom is awake, just sitting there. The stepmom goes, where have you been? Sarah goes, I was crying. <laughs> You're trying to chop off my dad's head in my head. I was crying. I ran out in the forest, and I cried myself to sleep. And the stepmother just told her, go to your room. And as Sarah is walking to her room, she realizes that this is uncharacteristic for her stepmother. Generally, she'd get beat up. Right? <laughs> She's not missing it, but generally she would get beat up. Or, at the very least, the stepmother would have said, I'm going to talk to that head, and if he tells me you're lying, you're going to get beat up. It was either always physical violence or threats of physical violence. But this night... The stepmother just told her to go to bed. The next day passes uneventfully. But when the sun sets and the moon rises, when night has fallen on this estate, Sarah sneaks back out of the house. This time, she's prepared. She's standing in front of that hollowed-out tree and that wooden box is still sitting there. But still... She can't bring herself to open the box. Instead, she destroys it. She sets the tree on fire and watches the flames devour its branches. Watches the fire destroy the box. And she stood there and watched until the flames died out, until the box was destroyed. The next morning, she woke up. Her stepmother was still in bed. It's unusual. So Sarah went into the stepmother's bedroom. And there the stepmother laid. She was sick. She was frail. She seemed broken. And as Sarah was walking towards the stepmother's bed, she gets a good look at her face. She said it looked like her face had been warped. She said it seemed like her mouth was on one side of her face. Not the front side. Not the front side. That's where everyone's mouth is. It's like she's laying down and her face is like just warped. And her lips look like they've been moved across her face. Now, obviously, nowadays that looks like a stroke, right? That's what I'm thinking when I'm reading this. Is that The stepmother had a stroke. And maybe she did. Maybe she did have a stroke. We don't know the medical reasons for this. But after that morning, the stepmother never recovered to her full health. She was always frail after that. She was always weak. And Sarah said at that point, the brute cut cut. And Sarah said at that point, the beatings pretty much stopped. Sarah said she never opened the box and she never knew for sure that there was a head there. She said when she went back to the location at a later time, she saw no bones there. There's no sign of a human debris. So even she in her own mind knows what a skeptic would say. You never looked in there. There might have never been a head in there. It could have just been some boogeyman that she made up. That's a logical answer, right? I know that story sounds like a fairy tale. That would be the logical answer. And she said, you're right. I never did look in the box. I had two opportunities to, and I couldn't bring myself to opening it. 
I didn't, with my own eyes, see there was a head in that box. But I know what I heard at the well. She wasn't alone out there. A terrifying story of gothic horror, right? I mean, obviously this could be fiction. Someone could have written this and it's all made up. It's presented as a true story, but in the world of the paranormal, this stuff tracks. I have this blessed object in my house and this would be the opposite. This would be a cursed object. An object created from murder to spread mayhem. Like you literally can't get more of a cursed object than that. This man's soul... This man's essence trapped in this dried up, severed head. Forced to tell this evil woman the sins of a young girl. It's just a terrifying story. It really does harken back to the days of old pagan magic. But the thing about old pagan magic is that you sure you can kill everyone who practiced it back then and you and you can destroy all of their sacred sites you can wipe them from the history books but if you killed every mathematician on the planet and burned every math book the math still exists and eventually someone will rediscover it just like it was discovered in the first place someone will rediscover it and just how the old magic and the old ways were wiped out as advancing religions moved into areas and just completely annihilated anyone who practiced these old ways. The magic is still there. The old ways still exist. We just don't know about them. You can wipe out the worshiper, but you can't wipe out the mechanics of the spellcasting. Now, it's possible that this was just a ploy. It's possible that the stepmother weaved this story all these years to just keep Sarah under her thumb. It's possible even that the stepmother was more crazy than we think she was, and she was doing both voices. That's not completely unheard of either. But then how would she know all of the ways that Sarah had done bad things, had lied, had made mistakes? How would she have known that? This story is just another reminder that in the world of the paranormal, there are fates worse than death. In the real world, there's some pretty grisly ways to die, but you die. And that's it. But in the world of the paranormal, you could live your life a good man, and then one night wake up choking on your own blood because your wife slit through your throat with your own razor. And as the world fades to black, and then that white tunnel appears in the distance of this void, you find yourself moving on to the afterlife. But your journey towards the next step in reality is interrupted by the sounds of your wife's voice chanting unknown words. The next thing you know, that white light disappears. And now you're just lost in the void. A robust man turned into a head in a box. An earthly prison of wood and dirt and dead leaves is what separates this man from entering paradise.
Black magic kept him alive. And a brave young girl freed him. The severed head never directly talked to Sarah. But if it could say anything to her, I think it would say, thank you. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a